fault. <laughs> right, we're continuing our series, uh, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And uh, I'm just making sure they start the timer at the back or else we are gonna be here a long time. <laughs> there we go. We, we, we're, we're going, we're going. Awesome. So uh, I won't lie, I, I've shared this from the front before. Uh, when talking on things like prayer, I've yet to reach the week where I end the week and I'm like, wow, I, I need to cut down on the prayer. Man, I got double my reps and I, I mean like, I'm a prayer warrior. I've never got there. And I don't know if I ever will for some reasons. I love praying, I, I really do. But I, and we heard about, I think it was James last week who had like calluses on his knees because he prayed so much. I mean, I've got some holes in my jeans, but it's more artistic flair than from praying too much. Sometimes I'm just being honest, like when I look at my walk with God, I'm like, man, if only I prayed more. Ever felt that? If only I prayed more. And I kind of start feeling a little guilty. And we know that prayer can be so life-giving, life-altering, and we like the privilege of knowing God to sit in his presence and to talk to him, not only to pray to him, but know that he's gonna answer your prayers. It's like, why wouldn't I pray more? And then sometimes it's just hard. <laughs> I'm a spontaneous, creative type of guy, so things like discipline don't come easily. I remember hearing this preached by this phenomenal preacher, and he said, how can we be, dis be disciples of Christ if we have no discipline? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. But I just, I've tried all my life to have discipline. I just don't have it. I, I can't wake up at the same time every morning, even with an alarm clock. Maybe you guys are looking at me thinking, why is this guy talking on prayer? But when you think about prayer, it's like consistency in prayer, the discipline of prayer, persisting in prayer. Ask me to pray for anyone in any given moment. I'm there and I'm full of faith and I'm like, yes. But developing prayer as a lifestyle I've had to work hard on that. But that said, I love the grace of God because I've got some awesome testimonies of God answering prayer. So I know that I'm doing something right from time to time. But maybe today, like me, you feel that prayer is actually pretty tough. And that's praying alone. What about praying in front of people? If prayer is hard on your own sometimes, praying together can be even more challenging. Even praying aloud, anyone ever prayed aloud? Like we know we want to, we know God wants us to, and then we pray and then, man, I've seen it go wrong. I should be encouraging you. This is actually an introduction and confession at the same time. But I had a friend who uh, ended off the meeting, it was like a holy moment, like the presence of God was so tangible. And, and he ended by saying, Lord God, thank you for your presence. It's like our hearts have found a new beat. And instead of saying hearts, he replaced the H with an F. You can't recover from that. You, you really can't recover. I had another friend and he was, he was actually singing and, and he was trying to sing, praise him you heavens and bright shining stars. And he sang, praise him you heavens and shite brining stars. <laughs> and all the Irish people are like, did he just say shite in church? I think he just said shite in church. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest, but it can be hard. And then there's times when you're like, you're praying and you're like, maybe I should put a scripture in there. And you're starting to pray and you're like, you've taken this courage, courageous step and you're like, okay, I'm gonna put a scripture in there. And it's like, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, they will rise on wings like eagles, thank you, Lord, and they will, and then, then, then you go blank and you're like, is it walk and not grow weary and run and not go faint? Or run and not grow weary and walk and not go faint? And there's like this awkward moment that feels like an eternity while you're praying 
praying, and you're like, they're gonna find me out, they're gonna find that I don't really know my verses. And all of this, this battle that's going on in your head, and all you wanna do is pray, maybe that's just me. And then the Lord's looking down, he's like, I really didn't make it that difficult. <laughs> Prayer can be hard, and that's my introduction and my confession. Uh, but what I'd like to talk about off the back of that is how do we pray together? Specifically as Anthem Church, what does praying together look like? And, and let's look at what God desires for us and has available to us when we pray together. More than sharing stories of how hard prayer can be, the Bible is full of examples of God doing amazing things in community and communion with his people. And essentially, that's what prayer is. And that's why I will never get to the end of my week thinking, man, I, I gotta cut down on the prayer. Because we could never get to any, the end of any week and say, man, I gotta spend less time with God. If you're feeling that prayer is a chore, prayer is a thing that you have to do, you're missing it. And I'm missing it. Why? Because actually, prayer doesn't start with saying and doing. Prayer starts with being being in the presence of the Lord, knowing that through faith in Christ, we have access to the presence of the Lord. And if you're here today and you have not yet put your faith in Christ, my desire and my, my prayer for you today is that you would put your faith in Christ so that you can experience the presence of God for yourself, not in a moment, but actually have that opportunity every single day, whenever you want to come into his presence, to have the ability to commune with God and know that not only are you having relationship with him, but that actually he would answer our prayers? Have you thought about that? That God would actually answer our requests. I've got kids, two of them, and I'm, I'm like, it's a good day when they actually listen to me. I, like, I feel like I'm actually succeeding as a father when my kids actually do what I tell them to do. If you have not got kids yet, you're like, yeah, you're like, inside you're saying like, when I'm, when I'm a parent, I'm gonna show them how to do it. And I, I, I say, go with that faith and run with it. But those who've had kids for a little, little longer than even me, they're like, man, keep it up, you're doing great, you're doing great. Just get them to listen on one or two things and they'll be fine. But here we have God, the perfect father, and he's asking us to ask him stuff and he wants to do it on our behalf. It's really awesome. So no, I will never get to the end of my week and think, man, I've prayed too much but I wish I could get to that place where I felt like I could say that. The title of today's message is it's time to pray together. Recently, I upgraded my Wi-Fi, and uh, in actual fact, when we moved from South Africa to here, it was amazing seeing the increased Wi-Fi speeds available. Like, I was talking to someone as I just upgraded my Wi-Fi, and I was like, man, it doesn't even buffer. And the person was like, what's buffering? And like in South Africa, where I'm from, like you, it's one up from dial-up, but it, for some of those who remember it, but it's like you, you, you click play on the video and you gotta wait like time, but then you gotta pause it because the longer you wait, the more high definition the picture will be. And you gotta watch the movie in, in bits. Now, obviously it's got better since we've been in America, but it was so amazing to press play and it was like, it was just amazing to really realize what high definition looked like when streaming, it's, it's phenomenal. And I think sometimes prayer can be like that. When, when we don't have a rhythm in place or maybe we, we're not spending time in God's presence and it's like we're trying to press the play on the things that he's called us to and it's like there's buffering and there's things in the way, it's not that clear. What God wants to do is he wants to upgrade our connectivity this morning. What God wants us to know is that he wants to answer our prayers first of all, that he wants us to come into his presence, that he's made the way for us to come into his presence. 
But where things aren't clear, he's like, I can make it clear. Increased download from heaven, increased upload from heaven. It's time to pray together. So what we're gonna do this morning is we're going to look at Jesus, our perfect example of prayer. Then we're gonna look at the early church. And then what I'd like to do is look at the benefits of praying together. I've got two key benefits that I've seen in my own life and I see in scripture. And I'm hoping will encourage us to pray together. So what does praying together look like? Well, before we dive into those things, I was reminded of God's together story. Now in our Western mindset and type of thinking where everything is based around the individual, it's quite interesting to think of things like community and being together because we view the world through ourselves. And and we understand that that's the way we're brought up and that's the way it is. But when you look at things like community and family and together, it can be quite challenging to actually apply that to our lives. What do I mean by God's together story? Well, in the beginning we have God existing in perfect community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He makes man in his own image and places him in a garden with Eve together so that together with God and together with one another, they would take this garden of Eden to the ends of the earth. He said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it together with God, together with one another. But what happens is sin enters the world Adam and Eve break God's command and immediately God's together plan seems to be broken into pieces because now a holy God can't have relationship like before with an unholy man and woman. So they have to be separated from God because of that sin and God sends them out of Eden. But not only is there disruption in the togetherness of God's relationship with man, there's disruption with Adam and Eve because now sin has come between them. And there's a curse that comes on the earth. God's together picture has been broken down. But God doesn't give up. God still has a together plan. He calls a people to himself, the Jewish people. And he says, from this nation, I'm gonna reveal myself to them so that they can reveal me to the world and through them I'm gonna send my promised Messiah who will actually restore and redeem that which was broken and put back together God's together story. And Jesus comes and He dies on the cross for our sin and deals once and for all with the very thing that separated us from his together story. It doesn't surprise me that Jesus, as he begins his ministry, what is the first thing he does? He begins to call disciples to him. Why? So that they could be with him. So that they could be together with him. He could live life with them. The together picture of God. Very often we read scripture and we don't read it through the lens of the together picture of God. And Jesus births the, the church in holy fire. He sends the Holy Spirit and at Pentecost, the church is birthed. They're waiting on God together and this church is birthed in holy fire. The together picture of God. Now they can be together through faith in Christ with God again and he gives us this church, this community so that they can be together with one another again. It's called ekklesia is the, is the Greek word. It means the called out ones. And I love that. The the called out ones, lots of little ones that are called out to be the one bride of Christ. That's us through faith in Christ. The together picture of God. Now let's look at praying together through that plan. It's time to pray together like Jesus did. I wonder if you can turn in your Bibles. I'd like to touch briefly on how Jesus prayed. I know we've, dealt, uh, we've touched on it a few times in this whole series, but there were some things that while I was putting this together, I felt God wanted us to rem- me to remind us of. So we're gonna read Matthew 6, verse five to eight. It's the part before he does the Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name, part. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. And when you pray, I love how it's, and when you pray, not if you feel inclined to, one day if you try it out, no, but when you pray, this is how you should do it. Now, it's important to understand the context of what Jesus is dealing with right now because we could read these words of Jesus and we could misapply them and not see the full picture of what Jesus is actually saying. We could read what Jesus just said and we could conclude correctly but not in full that prayer is private. Jesus said, go into your room, close the door. We could conclude that prayer should be done in secret. He says, your father who is unseen will reward what is done in secret. We could assume that it's about quiet, contemplative meditation. They think they will be heard because of their many words, Jesus says. But your father knows what you're about to ask before you even ask it. So essentially, we could just pray, according to this, a model of prayer could be just sitting quietly, closing the door, and just being alone with God. And yes, that is prayer. But is it the complete picture? I think when we understand the context, we look at what Jesus was, his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he kind of shows them how to pray by showing them how not to pray. It's almost like he's teaching his disciples and then he sees a Pharisee or a hypocrite praying. He's like, this is how to pray. Don't do what that guy's doing. See, the Pharisee, when they fasted, they made sure everyone knew they were fasting. When they prayed, they prayed loud, long, elaborate prayers so that people could think that they were more holy. See, prayer for them was more about pleasing man than about pleasing God. And Jesus is saying, don't be like them. In actual fact, here's how you should pray. The other group of people, it's almost like he's teaching them. And then on the other corner, he sees a pagan praying. And this pagan is using words and words and words because he's trying to impress his God with how many words he knows. And Jesus is like, you don't need to impress God. Prayer is not about impressing God. In actual fact, just be quiet and be with him. Be alone with him in his presence. Is that the complete picture of prayer? No, but is that prayer? Yes, it is. It's what Jesus said. Another verse I'd like to add to our understanding of that is Hebrews chapter five, verse seven. And bear in mind, as we read these verses, this is not something you can write about someone without having experienced it. Hebrews five, verse seven. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence, submission. I tell you, that type of praying looks a lot different to closing the door, being quiet, contemplative meditation. Personality-wise, you might be in this room and you might be the quiet, contemplative type of person. That's awesome. To be honest, I'm actually that type of person. I know I, I don't come across that way. But I'm not the in-your-face, make-a-noise cry in front of people. I hardly cry, I don't like crying. And every now and again, I'm preaching a sermon and God will touch my heart and I begin to cry and I'm like, oh Lord, stop it, I'm trying to preach here. I'm not like an emotionally expressive, ask my wife. <laughs> I'm not that emotionally expressive, but I see this picture of Jesus and I see how he's praying and I'm like, wow, that challenges me. Perhaps you're here and personality-wise, you're the noisy type. That's awesome. 
Jesus was the perfect picture of prayer and it's time for us to pray, Anthem Church, like Jesus did. And that was in quiet, contemplative prayer and in loud, fervent, passionate cries. Jesus' prayer had times of silent contemplation. Jesus' prayer had times of quiet waiting on God alone. Jesus' prayer had times of him praying and people listening. But Jesus also had times of emotional crying out to God. His prayer had passion and fervent tears. Jesus knew when to pray quietly and when to raise his voice. How does this fit in with the together picture? Well, I love how Jesus goes on to say, our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus could have said, give me today my daily bread and made it all personal. And prayer is personal. But through the lens of the together picture of God, he's teaching his disciples to pray together and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's time for us to pray like Jesus did. I love how Hebrews tells us that he was heard because of his reverent submission. To be honest, if I say reverent submission in my mind, the picture I have a monk, he's bowing before his Bible, he's quiet in this cathedral, and it's beautiful and serene. And I think it is beautiful and serene. But somewhere in my mind, I've mistaken reverent submission in terms of what I think it looks like instead of what it actually is. See, reverent submission is not what and how. Reverent submission is who and the position of my heart. And Jesus modeled reverent submission with loud, emotional, fervent cries because it wasn't about man and it wasn't trying to impress God. It was about Jesus being alone with his father. Even in a crowd, he was alone with his father and he was able to just worship and pray and commune with his father. More than perfectly scripted prayers, God is looking for honesty and prayers from the deepest part of us. John chapter four speaks about God looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit, the deepest part of us, not superficial prayers, not superficial surface level stuff. God said, I'm looking into your heart. What's happening there? In truth, honesty. How honest can we, do we feel we can be with God? Have you had a day when you're like, oh, that sucks? Ever thought of praying that prayer to God? And knowing that you can do it in a reverently submissive way to God? See, because God's after the depths of our hearts more than carefully, perfectly scripted prayers. It's time to pray together like Jesus did. It's time to get real with God. Let's look at the early church now. So my first point was it's time to pray together like Jesus did. My second point is it's time to pray together like the early church did. How did they pray? Well, when you think about the early church, you think about the Holy Spirit being poured out in power. You think about these signs, wonders, miracles. You think about the persecution that breaks out. You think about the spreading of the church. You just think about these amazing things that man and woman were able to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. But what did prayer look like and what did prayer look like together for them? Let's look at Acts chapter two, verse 42. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to that. My question for us as Anthem Church is how devoted are we to those things? Remember the ecclesia, uh, the called out ones, lots of little ones making up the one. Lots of little ones making up the one. How devoted are we to those? And once again, I had to look at the context of this because my, my Western mindset says, okay, right, I need to devote myself to the apostles' teaching. Let me go grab my AirPods and let me go listen to my favorite Steve sermon. 
I need to devote myself to uh, fellowship. Okay, cool, let me, um, let me pop into my life group every now and again, just tick the fellowship box. Uh, cool, I need to um, break bread. Okay, let me go find a cracker for some grape juice and find a time alone with God, get my 30 second devotion book, open it up to your birthday, because it's always cool looking at what devotions have to say on your birthday. It's like God's kind of speaking to you. <laughs> Don't pretend you haven't done it. We can be weird sometimes, people. We can, we can really be, okay. Uh, I, I heard an amen and a clap there. That's really cool. We often censor these verses around ourselves. But in actual fact, the context of, for them to listen to the apostles' teaching, they had to be at church. And yes, the cool thing is we have online and we have in person. This is an amazing part of technology and what we get, but they were together listening together. I believe that you can hear the word and God can change your life. But I also believe that when we are together, things are different. Yeah. Yeah. I, to be honest, I've yet to be changed by a message that I just heard on, on YouTube or iTunes or podcasts, whatever, but actually the messages I've heard in person in the moments have always changed me more. I'm thankful that we have the other opportunities. We can't censor these verses around ourselves. We need to look at the together picture of God. They devoted themselves to fellowship. In actual fact, it goes on to say in uh, Acts 2.46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Breaking bread was having a meal. Every day they met in the temple courts and from home to home. And they were devoted to this stuff. It's time to pray together like the early church. I did a quick prayer study in the book of Acts and I could have got some of these numbers wrong because it was a really quick study. But I managed to find that there were about 32 accounts of praying in the book of Acts. 32 accounts where it mentions people praying. Of those 32 accounts, I think only two of them I could find. And if you find another one, please, I'd love for you to share it with me how I was wrong because the next time I preach this message, I'll, I'll give you credit and I'll make sure that, that it wasn't wrong. But I managed to find two accounts where somebody prays alone and the rest were accounts where people prayed together. Isn't that interesting? It's like a complete mind shift because I've made prayer all about being alone with God and about me and Jesus, which it is, but in the together picture of God, it's both and. Examples, the church is waiting together in Acts chapter two and the Holy Spirit comes. Peter and John are together walking to prayer and they healed the lame beggar in Acts chapter three. The church prays for boldness and the place they are meeting is shaken in Acts chapter four. Cool prayer meeting, that one. Together they pray and they ordain the first deacons in Acts chapter six. I can go on, but my favorite is Acts chapter 12. Peter's in prison and they're having a prayer meeting and they're praying for his release in Acts chapter 12. I think I, think I mentioned that already. And God miraculously sends an angel and sets him free. And where does Peter go? There was no texting, there was no social media. He wasn't, how did he know where to go? How did he know there was a prayer meeting happening? And he goes to the prayer meeting, knocks on the door. They won't let him in because they're afraid and they don't know it's him. They've just been praying, God set Peter free and God sets him free and they won't let him in. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. But he knew where to go and where did he go? He went to a prayer meeting. After being put in prison for preaching the gospel, he went back to a prayer meeting Wow, I find that really challenging. Sometimes we get a bit of persecution, a bit of tough times, and we're like, I've got to get out of this place. 
Friends, it's time to pray together like Jesus did, but it's also time to pray together like the early church did. I wanna touch on things Steve mentioned these earlier, but Anthem, we are praying together as a church. We've put things in place. Maybe it's not in the temple courts and from home to home every day, but we have put some structures in place so that we can be as true to the early church picture as possible in our current context. Prayer and worship night. I wonder if we can get that slide up. Last Sunday of every month, we meet here for prayer and worship. Join us. Let's pray together. Life groups, twice a month. We meet together across the city. The plan for life groups is we dive deeper into God's word together, deeper into fellowship together, and deeper into his presence. And we pray together. If you're not in a life group, if we are to pray like Jesus did, if we are to pray like the early church did, I think one of the most amazing ways that we can do that is by being involved in a life group. Pre-service prayer every Sunday before the service starts. Come grab some coffee, arrive a little earlier, and let's pray together. We wait on God and we say, God, what do you wanna do in this meeting? We plan thoroughly during the week. The songs that we sing are chosen weeks in advance. The bands practice. Uh, This message, this version of this message was actually preached on Friday for the online service. We plan in advance, but on a Sunday we come and say, God, what are you doing? Where, where, where do you want us to adjust what we've planned? Because we want to meet with you. We want to move with you. Come pray. We want to see you there. We'd love to have you there. And from time to time, we pray and fast. To be honest, I'm not a good fasting guy. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm the feasting guy. I like, I'm, I'm, I'll feast, Lord. I'll feast. Fasting is very hard for me. It's, it's, it's very hard. Very, very hard. I did some time of fasting this week and I'm not trying to be a Pharisee and like, look how good I am, but I need God. I needed him to speak to me. We've got some personal family things we're, we're going through at the moment where we need God to break through. It's like, it's pretty real. I'm like, okay, cool, I'm gonna fast. Here we go, Lord. I did that kind of my own version of the fast, but I really feel like God's beginning to speak to me through that. Why do we fast? Why do we pray? Why should we do it all together? Let me look at some, I've tried to, share this morning, Jesus' perspective, the early church's perspective. Now let me try to share some stories, a few quick stories from our own lives, and then why. The first reason I think we ought to pray together, and my first motivation, I mean, if looking at Jesus and the early church wasn't enough, here we go. The power of unity and agreement. The power of unity and agreement. And I really believe God wants to drop some truths into our hearts while I share this. Psalm 133 and Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 to 20. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. See God's together picture? Goes on to say, it's like precious oil poured on the head. The oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. When we dwell together in unity as God's people, we can expect the presence of God, and we can expect, expect, that's why it's hard to pray in front of people. We can expect the blessing of God as well. When we are together in unity, we can expect his presence and we can expect the blessing. And yes, it's online, yes, it's together in person, but when we're together in unity, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Now the context of this verse is actually dealing with conflict in the church. So this is not necessarily a how-to on prayer, but it shows us a really wonderful truth. 
Where two or three gather in my name, there I'm with them. That doesn't mean God is not with you when you're alone. It just means that when we're gathered together, he manifests himself. He makes himself known in a different way. And if you agree about anything, the power of unity and agreements. And on agreements, I've seen this verse being twisted like, you can ask God for anything so long as you agree with someone. And I've tried it and it doesn't work. But more so because we're looking for agreement, right? The together picture of God, together with God, together with one another, taking the kingdom out wherever we go. The agreement has to be centered on heaven's agreement first. And then we need to agree with it on earth. See, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, where on earth as it is in heaven. We can agree as much as we want, but unless it's in line with heaven, Agreeing, you know, just two quick stories of, of agreeing. This is a really small story, but the one night, a couple of years back, I was about to go to sleep and uh, I felt God say to me, he dropped it in my heart. He said, I wanna teach you the value of prayer. Ask me for something outrageous. And I leant over to Eloise, I was like, I've never felt this before, but God put something in my heart, he said, He wants to teach us the value of prayer. Ask him for something outrageous. So I said, Lord, I would love a new acoustic guitar. I've moved on since then. And if I could ask again, I probably would have said something like a McLaren or, but in the place I was at, an acoustic guitar, a new one was just way impossible. My faith has increased since then. I'm trusting God's gonna wanna teach me the value of prayer again. (laughs) For two to three months, Every second night or so, I felt God say, pray, ask me for something outrageous. I'd say to Eloise, God's placing this on my heart, ask me for something outrageous. Only Eloise and I knew what I was praying. Only we knew, and by the end, Eloise was like, Lord, please, just give him an acoustic guitar. We went and did ministry at a church outside of our city, and as we were driving out, I get this phone call from the pastor, and he's like, man, I was praying for you, and I felt God just placed on my heart that I need to buy you a new acoustic guitar. No jokes, the next week he sends it and arrives this new acoustic guitar and it's just, it was beautiful. I can still smell the smell of it. A a small little testimony of what? Agreements, first of all heaven, God placing a desire on our hearts, standing in agreement together, well like God if this is you we're gonna trust you for it and there it was a few months later on praying together in a more corporate sense. I may have shared this story before, but it was such a powerful story of God intervening in my life. Like we had some financial struggles and I was like, God, I was wrestling with this, wrestling with it, wrestling with it. God, breakthrough, breakthrough. And I knew he was hearing me. I knew he was encouraging me and I knew like everything was gonna be great. But it was a time of worship and, and, and a corporate prayer and worship and I was just worshiping God and I felt him drop into my heart. If, if your financial situation never changes, will I still be enough for you? Like in that moment, I was like, of course, Lord, you will always be enough, even if nothing changes. Went home, didn't feel any different, didn't think, well, this is my day of breakthrough. Woke up the next morning, just going about my day, and I got the call, and they were like, hey, man, we just wanna bless you, give you a raise, which was able to break us out of whatever we were difficulty we were facing. A time of corporate prayer, standing next to one another, not knowing what I was praying, but agreeing that God was able, agreeing that God will do what he has said he will do, 
standing together as believers, unified, in agreement, together, and God's like, boom. He could have answered that prayer easily during the week while I was alone with him. But he chose that moment, why? Because I believe he was trying to teach me something. Aiden, yes, prayer alone is important and you win the battle there. But praying together is also powerful. In Acts chapter 16, I've mentioned this many times, it's one of my favorite scriptures to do with worship, but Paul and Silas are in prison and they're praying and singing hymns to God and all of a sudden God sets them free and everyone else around them free. And it's such a beautiful picture of the together picture of God because when we're together, God moves on behalf of us and those around us. Why is the together picture of God so important when it comes to praying together? Well, when we're praying together and we're standing in faith together, you may not know what everyone else is praying, but I believe that there's an application of faith when we're in a room together or when we're online together and we're trusting in God together. And I I believe there's plenty breakthrough that happens because we're just being together, fixing our eyes on God. See, when we're unified and we're in agreement, everything else fades. When God is the center, when our eyes are fixed on him, it doesn't matter our political affiliation. It doesn't matter where we stand on COVID. It doesn't matter whether we have a mask or don't have a mask. It doesn't matter how we view the pandemic. All these things which are real and affect us fade into insignificance in the moment where we just see God and together we have one heart, one mind, one purpose, and we're praying and worshiping him together. And he says in his word, where there is unity, I command my blessing, even love forevermore. It's time to pray together like the early church did and stand together in unity and agreement. The second reason, other than unity and agreement and understanding the power, and with this, I wanna draw to a close. I wonder if the band could come up, please. Is the power of carrying one another's burdens and spurring one another on. When we are together, we carry one another's burdens and we are able to spur one another on. What do I mean by that? Well, Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, yes, there are real burdens that we need to carry and there's things in life where we need physical help. But you know what? When I read that verse, I think of every spiritual weight, every spiritual thing that has tried to hold me down and I look back and I see people who've prayed with me and have seen me walk into freedom after prayer. Praying together, yes, all of us as one praying together at a corporate prayer meeting, but I'd like to ask this, who are you standing together with and trusting God to break through on their behalf? And who's standing with you? Whose burden are you carrying in prayer today? And who's carrying your burdens in prayer? Because the together picture of God says us, the ecclesia, the called out ones are one. Which means if you're carrying something, I ought to be carrying it too with you. And when I'm carrying something, the hope and prayer is that you would help me carry it too. Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Oh, there's the together picture of God again, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, the day with a capital D is the day that Jesus returns. This verse tells us that as that day returns, we ought to be encouraging one another more and spurring one another more towards love and good deeds. And could I say that actually meeting together more? Perhaps what we saw in the early church is what we will begin to see as the day draws near for Jesus' return. It's 
time to pray together like the early church did and carry one another's burdens and spur one another on. Right now, you might be sitting here and saying, man, I wish someone would help me carry my burdens, but I don't have faith in God. I, I, I haven't yet made the decision to follow Him. Or maybe you have and you're far from God and you're just feeling so heavy and laden and it's just like, it's so hard right now. And you're like, I wish someone could carry my burdens. We look to Jesus this morning, Jesus who carried our burdens on the cross, knowing that we would be carrying these burdens right now, the very same burdens that He carried on the cross and He died for so that we could be free. That is the message of the gospel and the message of the cross, that Jesus died on the cross so that we could walk free, that we could take His burden on us, which is light and not hard. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray with you and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, be, be my Savior, carry my burdens, Jesus, knowing that He will save you from that situation and He will place you in a community called the church where now you can help others carry their burdens and they can help you carry yours through prayer. I've been going on a little long, but I wanna be vulnerable and just to encourage you. I'm trying to compose myself. All my funny jokes have gone. something matters to the heart of God and we are indifferent to it, how can we expect to see God break through? I remember hearing the story of a man who, I'm probably gonna butcher the story, but he was on, on death row for a crime and this preacher came to him and, and was trying to convince him to put his faith in Jesus so that he wouldn't spend eternity without Jesus. and. From what I remember of the account, the man spoke to the preacher and said, do you really believe this? And he said, yes, I do. He said, well, if you believed it, you, you'd crawl on your hands and knees through broken glass to really get me to believe this. But pretty much I haven't seen that conviction in you. So no, actually, I'm not gonna put my faith in your Jesus. We can be so indifferent when there's life and death happening right in front of our eyes. And we're so indifferent because we're so caught up in living our own lives. I believe the burden of God for Anthem Church in this next season is to see the lost saved. To actually cry out to see people saved again. Maybe we're wondering why we're not seeing the fruit that we wanna see and maybe we're, we're not crying real tears. Maybe we're just going through the motions and saying, God, do your thing. You're sovereign anyway, God. Even if I don't play my part, you'll, you'll, you'll make it happen. And we trust in a sovereign God, but God's called us to partner with Him in prayer. And I wonder if we could stand, we're gonna sing a song in a moment, but I wonder if we could pray. There were three things I wanted us to pray for.